0: Welcome to Book Talk for Book Talk, the literary podcast where we have been deep diving into your favorite novels. This is Jack and I'm Amy.
1: And our listeners love to share their thoughts and theories via email and voicemail, so we're sharing some of them via our weekly mini episodes.
0: The views expressed by the hosts and listeners are entirely their own and in no way represent the thoughts or intentions of the original author. This podcast is a discussion, shared to spark thought and conversation on the characters and themes of this novel.
1: Spoilers may be discussed with or without warning. Explicit language, as well as themes of sex, violence, abuse, death, and depression will recur throughout this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. We asked you
0: to ask us writing advice. (laughs) Most like <laughs> self congratulatory <laughs> request <laughs> writing <laughs> advice. Do you want from us? Like for our non publish
1: asses. <laughs> but I feel qualified because we've interviewed a lot of authors. So I am happy to tell you what they say. <laughs> all right, first one. This one hurts. It's all hurts. How do I world build? I get so overwhelmed keeping everything organized. It's a lot.
0: That is an excellent question. And as Jack said, it hurts. Mm-hmm. What I think... Who are we talking to recently? Uh, Kate Gold. Oh, right, right, right. Because I know what you're going to say. Talking about the fourth wing and Rebecca Yaros is married to someone who's been in military academies Mm -hmm. and has lived on military bases. So she built a world based off her knowledge of being in the military. Mm -hmm. And talk about taking what you know. Yeah. And building something from it. Kate Golden also said that...
1: She When she was writing Dawn of Onyx, she asked herself, what's the religious system? What's the political system? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if people are more landlocked, what does that mean for them versus people who are by, in ports and oceans where they're going to get more culture and other things exposed to other types of culture? And when she said that,
0: I was like, oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's I think the best way to start is pick something to focus on. Mm -hmm. So for me, in my fantasy novel, I focused on there are these seven sages that are treated as deities. And what are the holidays that Mm -hmm. are celebrated in recognition of those sages? What influence do they have on people? Are certain villages dedicated to one sage or all the sages? Yeah, And those sorts of questions. And then it just kind of builds from there. And as for organization, Scrivener. Highly recommend. Yeah, I think that's a great suggestion because for a long time I just took notes in word and I couldn't remember which note was where and which file and yeah it was a pain. Scribner has
1: been saving my ass. Yeah, it's a great way to
0: organize stuff.
1: Okay. Maybe I should have started with this one, but I'm not gonna edit this any differently. How do I
0: get started? Where do you begin with your process? I begin with scenes. Mm. So I or at least I used to. I used to like I said, I used to handwrite a lot. And I have notes from 2007 of just a random scene, a random dialogue. Mm-hmm. And usually it was the angsty moment that I would write because I was an yeah. angsty emo kid. And I would just write an angsty scene. Mm-hmm. And I'd just mm-hmm. write a collection of angsty scenes. And then I'd be like, how can I make this into a story? <laughs> Let me connect the dots. Right. Exactly. I...
1: Would I'll have various scenes, and then the story will kind of come to play in my mind, and then I'll do a chapter-by-chapter chapter summary. And some chapter summaries are like, then they fuck. And then other chapter summaries are detailed, and I know they I want it to hit all these things. But when I write the whole book through these chapter-by-chapter chapter summaries, it helps me tackle and know what's coming up. And then I have to change them all the
0: time. All the time. It's... It's the thing with planning. Plans always change. One Oof, thing, yeah. One thing is who wrote Hannibal? I forget. Is it Thomas Harding? A genius. He I remember reading an interview where he Red Dragon, which was his first Hannibal book. Mm-hmm. He just had an image of Will, an FBI agent searching a house. And oh. that's that was the beginning of Hannibal. Really? Mm-hmm interesting yeah he just he just had this scene play out in his mind of some guy searching a house because of murders and that was it you know when when i think of hannibal i think of you
1: and i talking and then i I think of you quoting a part of hannibal this very specific quote and i think about you quoting this a lot really which quote was it you were saying that when we are because we were talking about characters and different heights and like, you know, all these like main male leads are so high, like so high are so tall. And you were saying that in Hannibal, the main male, like Alex or no, what's his Will. name? Will. <laughs> same. Uh, Will and his wife are like the same height. Mm-hmm. And he says that he loves it because it's like being in bed with her mm-hmm. while standing. Mm-hmm. And I, I can hear and see you saying that. And I was like, what? That's genius.
0: It is genius. It's great. Yeah, I do love that. I mean, there are some really, if you have not read the Hannibal series, it will feel like it plays out like the movies, but the writing is so good.
1: I'll have to read it because Silence of the Lambs is one of my all-time favorite movies.
0: It's just like, yeah, that whole series has yeah. such nuggets of chef's kiss. Got your dog, sir. Got...
1: <laughs> Mister. <laughs> She's like in the in the well. Oh, yeah. And he's like, (laughs) it puts the lotion on its skin. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Such gems. (laughs) What's your least favorite genre to write? Anything comedy. I'm not funny.
0: You're freaking hilarious. You say you're not funny, but you're so funny. I don't know that I am in my writing.
1: I mean, you've only ever strived to hurt me in your writing. Yeah, (laughs) I,
0: I strive for the angst. I don't know how to translate my humor into
1: writing. I know I'm capable of it but it's not my most I don't enjoy it as much as I like the hurt scenes because mm-hmm. I just wrapped on the first draft of my book and writing the painful scenes oh, I breezed right through it and then at the end when they got back together spoiler third act breakup but when they got back together it was just like oh fuck it, it was dragging my feet I'm like <laughs> oh so now you're happy okay like, ah, oh. how dare you be happy yeah so I feel like it's hard for me to it just it's not as fun as a writer yeah Although, as a reader, I hate it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. How can I be historically accurate when writing timed pieces? Any tips?
0: Uh, research. I mean, like, that's yeah. all I can say.
1: Well, it goes... I'm going to quote Emily Rath for this one. Okay. She said... Because she does some historical uh, romance. And she said that she went into the time period that she was most familiar with. hmm So I think that... If you're tempted to do that, like, yeah. You know, don't don't pick a don't pick a time when you're like super not familiar.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. If you have read and watched a lot of Regency era stuff, mm-hmm. don't go choose to write a Greek mythology yeah. book, right? You've got to be really familiar with the content. And if you do want to write that Greek mythology book and you don't know anything, research lots and lots of research. So much research. Just don't trust Disney or I wouldn't even
1: trust Wikipedia. Documentaries. Just tons of documentaries. Lots
0: of documentaries. Go to the library. No. (laughs) No. You won't get me there again. Use the Libby app. You can. Okay, I'll do that. I've
1: done my time in the library. I'm not going back there. You can't make me watch me.
0: No. (laughs) The challenge accepted. No. God, you will. I will. All
1: right. This is a great question. Not that the other ones weren't. (laughs) (laughs) but amy and i talk about this one a lot first person versus third person or
0: rotating perspectives what's your take on who the narrator should be depends on what you want the story to achieve yeah i mean so let's look at akatar and fourth wing those Mm -hmm. are both first person Mm -hmm. and why is that it's because there's a lot of secrets being kept from the protagonist that the author does not want the reader to know. Yep. So first person suits it best because there's less opportunity for slippage mm-hmm. of those secrets so that you have a grander reveal at the end. And then you look at things like Throne of Glass
1: where you have a lot of moving parts, there's mm-hmm. a lot of other things happening that you just need to keep the reader aware of, which is why you get a lot of third person there.
0: What I like about Throne of the Throne of Glass series and the rotating third person points of view which I think I could do better in my own writing is because there's so much going on. There's so many different plot lines. It means you can skip more of the mundane stuff. You can skip mm. more of the journeying. You can skip more of the progress, and you get just flashes and vignettes of an individual. I was thinking yeah. about this with like Kingdom of Ash or any of the other leader books in the series. If Whoa, you look leader at books earlier, sorry. No, I like it. The leader books, like. Oh, did I say leader? Maybe you
1: didn't, but it sounded like leader to me. And I was like, oh, that's such a fierce way of putting it. Some of the leader books, shit. Well,
0: I would say that, though, from like Queen of Shadows on. Those are like the highlight of the series. But if you, for example, look at Manon's storyline, there aren't that many chapters. No, there aren't. But she has so much growth. Mm -hmm. And you get away with it because you focus on the key moments. Yep. And you only can do that with multiple third person point of views that are rotating.
1: That's a really good point where you get to skip all the it's not like sometimes we've talked about it in Wings and Ruin where it's like, OK, this is a filler. Like, right. you know, what are they going to do between the, the meetings? Right. Well, what you do is you just switch to the next character. Exactly.
0: Exactly. You can skip a couple days. You can skip a week. You can say, wow, we traveled so hard for <laughs> a month. That was a really long journey, guys. Trust me. <laughs> There's another format. If you read the fifth season, I actually went and finished the other two novels in the How series. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It is so good. <laughs> There's a reason why each of those books won an award. I love it. It's so good. But what I love about that point of view is that it slips into future and past constantly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. so, yeah, it does. Because it'll be like, she, you know, this person doesn't didn't know the word manipulate but she would in a few years Mm -hmm. for now all she understands is xyz yeah and it's just that's really tricky to do but it's really fantastic when you can do it
1: it is god i when i read after i read fifth season i'm like i accept that i just
0: won't be her I know she's so masterful.
1: <laughs> and then when it comes to romance, I like first person because I want the deta- I want POV of he sinks himself into
0: me. I'm like, I want to know it. Well, actually, you know that makes me think of something that you said the other day. If you're going to write a uh, spicy book, it's more common now and probably more preferred to do dual point of view. Yes, because and and it is it is exhilarating to get the guy's perspective and the girl's perspective. Yeah. Or I want to see if him it's mixed. not. Yeah. And if it's not heterosexual, that's totally fine, obviously. But you get both points of view, which is nice. Yeah. Big fans. Big fan. How do you
1: overcome embarrassment about other people reading your work? Oh, my
0: gosh. It took me more than a decade to get over it. You were embarrassed? Yeah. I wouldn't let anybody read my novel until... I think it's... We categorize the feeling as embarrassment, but I think it's really fear of criticism. Mm. because it feels uncomfortable you're you're giving someone your baby and you know they're just gonna call it ugly like it's just it is what it is different i love it like i don't
1: i don't really get embarrassed when people reading my work i'm more of like i want to sit next to you while you soak it in (laughs) it's and i know people like i always remind myself oh i guess i'm here to for you guys to give me criticism but like i'm always like But did you see this part
0: Mm, mm, where mm -hmm.
1: I was really proud of myself? And but yeah, like I think it is there's a certain amount of dread where I can see where it's like you're worried about what they're going to say about your book rather than. Yeah. I mean, until I've already warned my mom, because the only time I'll ever be embarrassed is when my mom will read the spicy scenes that I've written. Yeah. Yeah. And then her telling me she can do better or
0: something. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think. I think what it is, is if you're feeling embarrassed, it's because you've had really terrible people read your writing in the past. Or you haven't, or you have yet to have had a positive experience where someone was like, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. And this is why. Mm -hmm. Instead of just platitudes because they don't know what to say or just being rude. I had a writing instructor. I was talking about the imagery and why I picked a certain theme in one of my short stories. And he was just like. Oh, please stop trying to make yourself sound like you're a literature writer.
1: What? Who is that? A
0: fucking of course. I'm going to bleep out his name or will
1: I? Yeah. <laughs> of course it was him. But
0: he put me down so hard oh. when I was like, but I was really intentional with the use of this imagery. And I want to acknowledge that because you're not acknowledging it. Yeah. And he just put me down so hard. So I get it. I get like and that and that's probably around the time that I stopped letting people read my writing. Yeah. That's fair.
1: I'm insecure about so many things, but like I have such selective like listening skills when it comes to my writing where I was just like, I know I was criticized. Can't tell you what it was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I just feel great.
1: I feel great. I remember when uh, when we had I had a C. I, it was my only C I ever had on a paper in college, and mm-hmm. I was so pissed off, and I used that paper, and I got into York in the UK, and then I came back to him, and I was like, your C paper was good enough to get me there, so, like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It, it's it's, it's, it's uh, It depends on the person, and it depends what it is, but, like, I, I have selective hearing when it comes to this, where I'm like, but you said I was pretty.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Whereas I have really... Uh, adverse reactions to rejection and any perceived rejection. So for me, it's really hard. So you just have to find people who you can trust and just Mm -hmm. tell them like, hey, I'm really nervous. I'm really embarrassed. Can you just focus on X, Y, Z? Yeah. Yeah.
1: What does a first draft look like? Like when do all the subtle his jaw tighten, etc. comes in? Just finished my first draft of my book. (laughs) And I can tell you. There were parts where I was like, you know what? I'm going to make him more of a boy later. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> where I was like, I'm going to have to figure out how to boyify him yeah. another yeah. time.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I think I felt the same way with my first draft of, I just need to get this down on paper. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll fix it later. Yeah. I just need to get from point A to point B. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if it's fine. If people do that in their first round and they're just talented like that. But if you're not doing it the first time, like, don't worry about it. I Like, it's definitely for me. I'm going in and be like, I'll I'll add his alpha wholeness later.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, that's why it's called the first draft. Yeah, you're definitely drafting more yeah. after that. Don't worry about it. How do you choose what to write about? Which idea do you pick? I think it's whatever speaks to you the most, whatever you're most excited about. Yeah. I mean, I was working on
1: a like fantasy book which I really love and I would love to come back to. And then I was like, I'm going to test out this romance book. And then 4 man- months later, I was like, it turns out I really like it. It's great. I think also the characters kind of start talking to you. Yeah. And we hear that a lot with a lot of the authors that we're we've interviewed. And like I know the second book I'm going to write to the follow up is going to be about the main male lead sister. Mm -hmm. And I could tell right off the bat. And it's like, you can kind of just tell when they're special. Yeah. And then there's this other character who she's been poking around in my head. And I just keep like, so for me, I associate characters a lot with songs. Mm. So if I keep seeing them in songs. Yeah. Then that's when I'm like, your story must be told.
0: Yeah. I used to have a very specific playlist back in the early two thousands. That was like songs that inspired my story that made me think of my characters Mm -hmm. um and i think the most difficult part of choosing a story and sticking with it is staying in the story yeah because when i'm reading the drafts of my novel and working on it i think about it all the time and the characters speak to me but the second i stop thinking about it or stop because of work or life or whatever it slips through your fingers yeah it's staying in there yeah. It's a, in it is Tessa hard. Bailey said, I love quoting all these
1: people. <laughs> then I'm such a name dropper. <laughs> um, I don't know if you heard of her, but Tessa Bailey told us <laughs> that she was like, it's a muscle. You just kind of have to. Yeah. And then Elise Kova. <laughs> such an asshole. And then Elise Kova said that sometimes like on the weekend, she'll try to write a hundred words or a thousand words between Saturday and Sunday.
0: Right. So that she never like actually leaves the world. Leaves the world. Because yeah.
1: she says leaving the world's the hardest.
0: Yep question does imagery matter i think imagery is what makes the writing good imagery yeah if you're repetitive with your imagery it can feel like i hate i hate to be mean and i'm not trying to be mean but you're about to say it say it it feels weak oh but not weakly but not strongly (laughs) Wait, no. She said quietly, but not weakly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sarah, stop it. There's so much of it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look at my threads. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that it's the images that stick with us. Yeah. Maybe it makes it more poetic, and not everyone's like that. Not everyone feels like imagery is necessary. But I think imagery is great for helping people understand something for which they have no frame of reference. Mm-hmm. It helps bridge that gap of like, I don't understand what this person's experiencing. But if you give me this image, oh, I I can understand it better.
1: I like to use imagery as understanding where the character's at mentally. Mm. Because if they're noticing it and they're having a moment with it, then maybe they don't want to deal with what they're working with, what, what they're surrounded in. Maybe it's because they're intimidated in their of their surroundings. So I think imagery, when it's used best, and again, my opinion is used best to show you how the narrator is coping
0: mm-hmm.
1: with what's happening.
0: No, I think that's a great point. And I think what I love about imagery is when it's used as subtext and mm-hmm. it it's used... Instead of saying, I thought about how upset I was and had to work through that feeling, you use imagery to convey the growth or the processing. Yeah. Because not everyone is really cognizant of their own thoughts and feelings and process. Yeah. And I think imagery is a great way to convey that to the reader.
1: I agree. I agree. So, um, yeah, it does. (laughs) The answer. How do you know when your story slash writing goes from good to great? I don't think you'll ever know. Oh, it's so funny. So before, while well, we were setting up, I was telling Amy about like, you know, I finished writing the first draft and there was times where I was reading it. and I'm like, I hate you. This is the worst <laughs> thing I've ever written. This is trash. No one's going to like it. And then Amy, you're like, yeah, but then there's also the moments when you're writing something and you're like, fuck yeah.
0: Yeah. And I I, I think at least for me, I can tell the difference when I read with momentum. If I'm rereading mm-hmm. my own writing and it feels like I'm turning the pages really fast and I'm really invested in it, that's when I know I wrote something well. Yeah. When it's like a slog to get through five pages, then it's terrible. Like Because yeah. if, if it's hard for me, it's going to be hard for the reader. Absolutely. And
1: just like, I don't know, when you spend time on it, and I know I know that sounds lame, but there's so many times that, like, I've written a short story and I've edited the first part of it with all my heart. And then I kind of give up by the second half. Yeah. It's so obvious. Yeah. So I think it's just being super meticulous with it.
0: Yeah. And sometimes that includes distance. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing I learned is that sometimes you do have to step away from the writing. You yeah. have to let it marinate just like a good pot of curry. It's mm-hmm. you got to let the flavors come out and then you go back. Are we talking Thai or Indian? I was thinking Indian, but Thai as well. OK. Um, and then you go back and you can look at it with more distance. Yeah. And less fatigue. And I think also like during
1: that time, hand it over to other people like yeah. you. There's a reason why editors exist. Right. And no matter what. If you want to get self published or any kind of published, an editor is going to have to come in. Right. So at a certain point, you just kind of have to tap out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm out. Thank you for listening to this mini episode of Book Talk for Book Talk. We encourage you to rate and subscribe to our show on your preferred podcast listening platform.
0: We would love to hear your thoughts based on today's conversation. You can submit your comments to our form at booktalkforbooktalk.com or via our Camflare voicemail system. Please visit booktalkforbooktalk.com for more information.
1: You can also follow us on TikTok or Instagram at the handle booktalkforbooktalk.
0: Bye!